But anyway, that's enough of my soapbox, amen? Well, uh, before, since before Easter, uh, we have been talking about the fact that the Christian life is not a playground. The Christian life is a battleground, and guess who the target is? Boom, you. That's right. We are the targets, and we have determined that there are a number of things that we must do if we are to achieve victory in the battles that we face every single day. Now, what do we need to do to achieve victory? Well, first, you better realize that you're in a war. You better recognize that you're in a battle. Uh, you must learn to recognize the enemies that you face every day. You uh, face an external enemy in the world that you live in. You face an internal enemy in the flesh that you live in. But you also face an infernal enemy, and his name is Satan. The Bible calls him the devil and the father of lies. So you're facing the devil and his minions uh, every day of your life. But not only must you recognize that you're in a battle, you must begin to analyze that enemy. You must begin to grasp the fact that the devil is only a created being. He is only a created being, so don't maximize his influence. Don't make him bigger than he is. He's just a created being. But he's also very crafty. He's also very corrupted. And he's also very much condemned. Amen? Uh, so therefore, while you can't maximize his influence, neither can you minimize his influence. Satan knows that his days are numbered. He knows that his time is coming. And his greatest desire is to cause as much damage as he possibly can to the kingdom of heaven and to those whom God loves. That's you. He is out to steal, kill, and destroy. And that is his goal. So you must not only recognize that you're in a battle, but you got to analyze that enemy. Furthermore, you must utilize this whole armor of God that we've been talking about for weeks on end that God has provided for you. You've got to make use of the belt of truth. You've got to make use and make sure that your mind is protected by the truth of God's word. You've got to make sure that you're making use of the fact that you are protected, your heart is protected by the truth of God's Son. That your will is protected by the truth of God's Spirit. You've got to make use of that belt of truth. You've also got to make use of the breastplate of righteousness. We're protected from Satan's most effective fiery dart, guilt, by wearing this breastplate of righteousness. We are no longer victims of guilt because we as believers know that our sins are under the blood of Jesus Christ. And we know that we have been provided a garment of righteousness so that we can wear that garment when we stand before the Father. And he will see Jesus. He will not see Bill Barlow. Praise Jesus for that. Amen. But we also must make use of the shoes of the gospel. We are provided stability, mobility, and many, many opportunities to share the good news that everybody, 
that all people can be forever saved through faith in Jesus Christ. But you got to make use of those shoes of the gospel. We're also told to make use of the shield of faith. We're reminded that daily faith does not depend on feelings. It's fact. We don't have to worry about what we're feeling because Jesus is the source of our faith. We don't have to worry about probabilities, what probabilities say. We don't even have to worry about how it looks. Our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. But we must also make use of this helmet of salvation we've been talking about, which protects us from a divided mind. It protects us from a deceived mind. And it also protects us from having a discouraged mind mind and by wearing this helmet we are learning that to live as a christian you've got to start thinking like a christian you've got to realize who you are you are a child of the most high god you are his son you are his daughter and when you start realizing that you are a child of the king you start acting like a child of the king but we must also make use of the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. By doing so, we learn to avoid satisfying right desires in wrong ways. By utilizing the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, we learn to avoid committing sins of presumption. Do you remember what those were? That's sinning willfully now, thinking, oh, I can just confess that later. Anybody ever done that? Come on, righteous people. Amen. We've all done that at one time or another. Oh, don't worry. I'll just ask God to forgive me after I do it. That's a sin of presumption, and we are, learned, we are taught to avoid that. But we also are taught to sidestep temptations to take spiritual shortcuts. Let us not take spiritual shortcuts. This Christian life was never promised to be easy. In fact, Jesus told us that it would be challenging, that it would be difficult, that it would be filled with trials and temptations, that it would be filled with tribulations and sufferings, but still we are to stay the course, put on our armor, and use this, this, all this armor that God has provided for us. But you know what? It's all worthless unless you make use of it. It's all worthless unless you you make use of it. So how, Bill, do I make use of this armor? How then do I make use of all this armor you've been talking about for weeks? How do I realize victory over my enemy? Well, as you begin wanting to do that, as the desire fills you to want to even use this armor, you first got to realize something. You've got to realize that it's not all about you. We've got to realize it's not all about us. It's not all about all my abilities. Who's it all about? It's all about the Lord. Your life was created to glorify God. Everything you do ought to glorify God. Whether you're at home, whether you're at work, in your, all your relationships, everything you do ought to be glorifying God. It's all about him. And we have to learn that and, and, and honor that even in our battles, and even as we fight the enemy. Uh, just before David killed the, the great giant Goliath, 
with a sling and a stone. You may not remember, but do you, do you recall what David said to Goliath? He looked at him, up at him about nine foot tall, and he said, All this assembly will know that the Lord does not save with a sword and a spear. This battle is the Lord's. And you know the rest of the story. Goliath laid dead and lost his head. Amen? So the battle, your battle, it's not about utilizing swords and spears and weapons and guns and AR-15s and all that. This battle you're living is the Lord's. You're working and serving the Lord. It's his battle. So a sword, a shield, a helmet, all that other uh, armor is completely useless unless you have the strength with which to use it. All these things are made available to us, but if you ain't got the strength, then you're not going to be able to use those things. Where does our strength come from? The Lord is our strength. So we need to be looking to him. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said about where his strength comes from. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10 or chapter 12, he said, my, Jesus said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. I take pleasure in reproaches. I take pleasure when I have needs. I take pleasure in persecutions. I take pleasure in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Because when I'm weak, then the power of Christ rests upon me. This battle is his battle, and the strength of the Lord is upon me. It's all about going to the source. You can have all this armor, but you can't make use of that unless you've got the spiritual energy, the spiritual strength, and the spiritual power to make use of it. You've got to pray and ask God for the power and strength every day of your life to make use of this armor. I mean, think about this. What good is a sword? Amen? What good is a sword in my hand if I don't have the spiritual strength to use it? Man, I can have the shoes of the gospel uh, upon my feet. But if I don't have the spiritual strength to walk the walk, what difference does it make if I toss the toss? Think about this. It's one thing to know that you have the garment of righteousness. But the real question is, does anybody else know you got it? Does anybody else know you're wearing the garment of righteousness? They won't know it unless you're living it. And you won't be able to live it unless you've got the spiritual power to operate in that garment and in that belt. Same thing with the belt of truth. Would you agree that knowing and doing are two different things? Amen? Knowing and doing are two different things. You know a whole lot of truth. If you've listened to even an ounce of the sermons I preached, you know some truth. But do you walk in the truth? Are you living in the truth? Are you sharing the truth? Friends, let me tell you, you can't do none of that 
without God's helping hand upon you. You need his strength, his power, his energy in order to operate in this armor. What good is a helmet of salvation if the noggin inside isn't thinking like a believer? You've got to be thinking like a believer. And let me tell you something. Having the mind of Christ, it takes real discipline. And I don't have that discipline. I have got to have God to provide me the power and the strength and the energy to have the mind of Christ. And how do I get that? I ask him for it. I pray for the spiritual energy to have the helmet of salvation. Prayer is where we get the strength to fight. All this armor is set before you. It's ready for you to put on, and you can put it on if you want to, but you won't be able to operate in that armor unless you have prayed for the spiritual strength to make use of it. That is so important. So that's what we're talking about today, prayer. You know, here's the thing about prayer, though. For some reason, I'm still tempted to do things in my own strength. I'm still tempted to preach in my own strength. Those of you that went to Guatemala know that on Sunday, I was a sick puppy. And I'm not going to get into the details of it, but it wasn't pretty. And I was, I was a sick puppy. And all I kept worrying about was Sunday night, I got to preach. And I worried, and I worried, and I worried that I was going to be so sick that I wasn't going to be able to preach. And then all of a sudden, it hit me. You're not preaching in your own strength anyway. So whether you're sick or not, it don't matter. You're going to preach. And he was right. And we preached. So, uh, but why would I want to do something in my own strength when I know that there's a better way? Think about this. Why would I want to do it in my own strength when I know that I can pray first, then start my day? Why would I try to do it in my own strength when I know that I can pray first and then serve the children? at Christians in action. Why would I want to do it my own way when I know that I can pray first, then go to sleep? When I can pray first, then go to work? When I can pray first, then preach? When I can pray first, then worship? When I can pray first and then give? When I can pray first and then decide? That's the better way. Why would I want to do it in my own way? Friend, have you ever heard this before? That Satan trembles. When he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. Friend, you may think that you don't have any spiritual strength, and you don't. God's got all the spiritual strength you need to operate in the armor that he's provided for you. So prayer gives us the energy. Prayer gives us the strength to fight so that we're not just wearing empty armor. You can put this armor on, but if you're not praying for the strength to operate in it, then you're just floundering around with no power. So today, very briefly, I want to focus on three alls that I find in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Three alls. Listen carefully to them. In verse 18 of Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance 
and supplication for all the saints. You see, there are three alls, at least there, that I see. Praying always means that I need to learn to pray regularly. Praying with all perseverance means that I better pray persistently. Praying for all the saints means that I need to pray inclusively. So let's talk about those. Let's talk about praying regularly. Praying always in all ways. Amen? That's what Paul said. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 encourages us to pray without ceasing. Anybody here do that? Pray without ceasing? Well, you know, you can. It sounds like so far-fetched, but you can do it. But let me tell you what praying without ceasing does not mean. It doesn't mean that 24 hours a day you're on your knees praying. That's impossible. There are demands on your life. There are requirements that you must do. You can go to work and you've got to go to sleep at some point. So you can't be praying without ceasing all the time. It doesn't mean that. But here's what it does mean. It means that your heavenly telephone, everybody got one of these? Show me. Show me. Raise it up high. Let me see your heavenly telephone. Amen? Everybody's got a heavenly telephone. Put it up to your ear. Come on. It means that your heavenly telephone is always in service. Amen? No matter what you're doing, you're always ready to hear from God. You're always in tune. You did not pay the bill. You've always paid the bill. That means that heavenly service is always online for you. Friends, that's what that means. It means that you're going to use prayer as a first plan of action and not a last resort. Amen? That's what praying without ceasing does. And let me tell you something else, too. You should never, ever have to start a prayer this way. Lord, as I come into your presence, I should never have to say that. You know why? Because I never left. Amen. I never left. That heavenly phone's been online. It's been in my ear. I've had a little Bluetooth going on. Amen. I've been online with God throughout my whole day. I never left, so I'm always in the presence of God. I mean, you should wake up in prayer. When your alarm goes off, first thing you have to do is say, praise Jesus. Praise God. Another brand new day. Uh, when your feet hit the floor, praise the Lord I can stand this morning. Praise the Lord. When you recognize that God is giving you a brand new day, praise him for it. Thank you, Lord, for another brand new day. And as you get up and you begin this brand new day with him, make sure that you don't rush past him without spending some time with him. You know, you've got so much to do. You've got so much to accomplish in your day, you can't afford not to pray. You've got so much to do, friend. You've got to take time to pray. And let me tell you this. Traveling time. Traveling time is a great time to pray with your eyes open and a great time to worship. Amen? Traveling time. You can waste time listening to country or pop or rock and roll. Or you can turn it off for five or ten minutes and pray that God would get this. Fill your armor. So that you can face the challenges of the day. To fill your armor. 
Give me the strength, O oh Lord. Give me the power, O oh Lord. Give me the energy, God, to do your will, your way, for your glory. Friend, throughout your day, there are going to be decisions that need to be made. Throughout your day, there are going to be challenges that will arise. Throughout your day, there will be temptations that will present themselves. And you are going to need the spiritual energy that comes only from God. Therefore, I want to encourage you to walk with God, to share life with God. To share life with God and not just on Sundays. Every day of your life, share your life with God. We need to experience God in life, not just at church. Every day of your life. So pray regularly. Pray regularly throughout your day. But also, Paul says, pray persistently. He says, pray with all perseverance. Now, I want to tell you a little story about uh, a small town in Croatia. A small town in Croatia is uh, called Kuna, with a K. Kuna, and there are only about 260 people in Kuna. Now, in Kuna, they, they have one of the largest churches in the whole country, in Kuna, Croatia. But back in the 1600s, Kuna's church was given a very loud bell. And after they erected a bell tower and installed that bell there, then um, the, the priest uh, learned a way to get the town people to come to church. He would ring that bell until every single one of them got out of bed and got their tails in the church house. So you know what I'm thinking, right? Huh? I'm thinking about getting a, a real loud bell. And I'm thinking, well, you know what I'm thinking about doing? I'm thinking about starting to call people. About 7 o'clock every Sunday morning, start calling them. Hey, y'all coming to church this morning? We're waiting for you. Amen? And that priest would ring that bell. He would ring it until every one of the members of that town came to church. I think that's what we ought to do. Do you agree? Do you agree? I used to pray that I might call you. Amen? Uh-huh. So think about this. That priest persevered in doing the work of God. I think we ought to be like that priest. I think that we ought to be like him, down here constantly pulling that bell rope, constantly pulling that rope, allowing God's heavenly sounds to go all over the earth as we constantly pull that rope. But what happens is, is so many Christians, man, they'll just give it a little pull, and they're done for the week. I'll come to church on Sunday, I'll get one good pull, and that's it. Well, guess what? If you're anything like Madison, our daughter, it's going to take a lot more than one pull to get that child out of bed. Amen? I mean, you got to set off a nuclear explosion to get her out of bed. Amen? Uh, but it's just amazing. Some people just have a hard time getting up. But we ought to be like that priest because one jerk ain't going to do it. Just one pull, it ain't going to do it. To really make things happen. To really make a difference, you can't stop pulling on that rope until the job is done. Let us keep 
pulling that rope until the job is done. Let me ask you something else. Have y'all ever heard of ding-dong ditching? If you've heard of ding-dong ditching, raise your hand. Some people might call it um, ring and run. Am I getting through to anybody else? Let me tell you what ding-dong ditching and ringing, y'all know what it is. I see Kyle smile. He's done it. He's done it. Don't you teach her to do it either. You hear me? Here's what ding-dong ditching is. Ding-dong ditching is when a mischievous young person, and it's always a young person, amen? A mischievous young person will come and will ring your doorbell and then run away, and they'll hide, and they'll watch till you come to the door, and they'll laugh at you. What is so funny about that? What is so fun about that? I don't get that, but I saw uh, Stacy, she's done it too. Amen. Why is that so funny? But I wonder, what would those mischievous teenagers do if we just stopped answering the door? They'd probably get bored and move on to somebody else's house. Amen. Why do I tell you this? I tell you this because I'm guilty of ding-dong ditching. Not in the sense that I just told you about, but sometimes when I'm praying, I ring the bell of heaven. I'm in the presence of God. I say what I want to say, and then I leave. I don't wait on him, and I really don't expect an answer. I just ring the bell, and I go. What if God stopped answering the door. Psalm 27, 14, the Bible says, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Why have I got to wait? I'm an impatient guy. Why do I have to wait on the Lord? Well, namely, God's timing is not the same as my timing. Amen? Uh, another reason is, is uh, because God sometimes delays his answers to my prayers. Sometimes God delays his answers to my prayers. Why would God do that? Why wouldn't he just give me what I'm asking for when I ask for it? I mean, I'm his child. I'm a child of the king. I'm the prince. Why can't I have what I want? Well, sometimes God's trying to teach us patience. One thing I've learned is that waiting creates faith. Waiting creates faith. And we can't please God unless we have faith. So sometimes he has to teach us patience. But sometimes he has to teach us purity. When God doesn't answer one of my prayers that I know is in his will, then I need to stop looking at him and I need to start looking in the mirror. And I have to examine my own life. I have to examine how I'm living. Is there sin blocking my prayers? Psalm 66 tells us that if we regard iniquity in our heart, then the Lord will not hear. So if you're neck deep in sin, then chances are good that God ain't listening to your prayers. 
especially if you're committing those sins of presumption or just willingly sinning. But he also wants to teach us about promotion. See, sometimes God will grant our request only when we have become spiritually mature enough to handle it. I've heard that sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says, whoa, slow. Sometimes God says go. And sometimes God says grow. I mean, what would you do if your four-year-old came up to you and said, Daddy, uh, I want a 12-gauge shotgun. <laughs> Roy was at all. You'll learn. Amen. I'm just kidding. If your four-year-old came up to you and asked you for a 12-gauge shotgun, you may have the foresight to say, you know what? Someday, yes, I'll get you a 12-gauge shotgun, but that day ain't today. You're still way too immature. You're not prepared. You're not mature enough. So, friend, play, pray regularly and, and pray persistently. But finally today, pray inclusively. Paul said, pray for all the saints. Now, you know, if you're anything like me, when I pray, I pray a lot for myself. Amen? Amen? Sorry. I pray a lot for myself. My own issues, my own struggles, my own challenges, my own sermons, my own, I mean, it's all about me. But, you know, and that's okay, because prayer is primarily about getting me in the will of God. That's important. But you need to remember that you're not the only one in this war. You're not the only one that's in this battle, and you may have it tough, but somebody else has probably got it tougher. So you need to be praying not only for yourself, you need to be praying for that person who's got it more challenging than you. Samuel said to Israel, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. I do pray for myself, but I want you to know that I do pray for you. Do you pray for me? I want you to know that I desperately need your prayers. I desperately need your prayers. Did you know that the church of Satan boasts that they pray and fast actively for Satan to cause the downfall of biblical preachers? And from the looks of it, it seems like some of their prayers are being answered too, amen? I need your prayers. So pray for God's will in your own life. Pray for me, but also pray for each other. Pray for each other. There is as many needs in this room as there are hairs on heads. Most heads. So pray for each other. Pray for each other. And you'll begin to view the prayers for yourself a whole lot differently. When I start thinking about what some of you are enduring, the prayers for myself are a lot different. Pray for each other. Pray for this church family that we'd be all that we'd all be what God desires. You know, if if just a, a portion of the church is operating as God desires, then we're not a complete church. So pray that we'd all be what God wants us to be. Pray that we'd all be doing what God wants us to do. 
pray that we'd all take a bold stand as God's people for what Jesus stands for. Pray for us all. But also pray for our nation. Pray for our nation that as a whole, we would return to God. We need that. But I want to remind you of God's promise regarding the salvation of our nation. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, the Bible says, if my people, say if my people. God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. I pray if you didn't hear another thing in that verse, you heard that it all begins with us. Man, I got a bad habit of, of blaming sinners for being sinners. I got a bad habit of, of blaming evil people for being evil. I've got a bad habit of, of blaming corrupt politicians for being corrupt. Well, they're not believers. How can I expect those who are evil, wicked, and corrupt to be acting like a believer? So God addresses his people. He addresses you and I. He says, if you'll get right, if you'll examine yourself, if you'll start praying, if you'll turn from your wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and I'll heal your land. If the two million evangelical Christians of this world or of this nation begin to pray that way, God would hear, but we can't expect him to hear if even God's own people won't do what he's asked them to do. Who's ever heard of a new, a GNU? It's spelled G-N-U. Anybody ever heard of that? It's an animal. A new is a, another name for the, a wildebeest. Anybody ever heard of wildebeest? There we go. That sounds better. A wildebeest is an African antelope that has sharp, curved horns. Very sharp. Thousands, they, they hang together. They, they herd and they, they cross across the rivers and crocodiles sometimes snatch them up. But I want to tell you something about the new. When a lion approaches a new, here's what happens. The first thing it does is it drops to its knees. It faces its predator, drops to its knees, and when the predator gets close enough, it lunges at the predator with its horns. You and I are Christian soldiers. We have very effective weapons. We have a fantastic arsenal of armor. But it all begins on our knees. You are not going to effectively diminish your predator until you hit your knees and then begin to defend yourself. Because if you don't depend, start on your knees, all you're wearing is empty armor. And it's worthless. It's useless. 
You know, being born again is the same way. Being uh, saved unto heaven is much the same way. The good news that Jesus Christ suffered and died to provide forgiveness for all sins, that he suffered and died to provide perfect righteousness when we stand before God, it's all received by asking. It's all received by asking. The Bible says that there is no distinction between Jew or Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. Or whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I guess the question of the day is this. Have you called upon the name of the Lord both to save you from your sins, but have you called upon the name of the Lord to provide you with the spiritual strength and energy you need to live your life? Listen to me, church. You have got Please stand. We're going to sing our.